Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, it's Andy Gersher, and this is Gains. Welcome back. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. Macroeconomic issues that can definitely impact markets and gains, meme stocks, what that says about markets and risk. Uh, and then looking forward, it only makes sense to bring in one of my key guys. It's Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com. Glad to have you on, Andy. How you doing, man? Good. Hey, it's fantastic to be on. There is so much to talk about. I'm so stoked to be here, Andy. So this is awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really fired up as well. And uh, just there's so much ground that we can cover here. Um, th- the first thing I wanted to do is bring you on. Y- you look at things often from a macroeconomic standpoint. So I wanted to just touch upon some macro issues first, because the economy does impact our gains in the different in- investments that we have. So these macro issues, it's always a good idea to, to uh, keep an eye on. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the Federal Reserve looking like they're going to uh, pull back on bond buying, uh, their bond buying program. Uh, could have implications for the market. Uh, what What's your takeaway from the, the Fed's uh, move here? Yeah, I mean, this is really well telegraphed. Everybody saw this coming. It's not a surprise. Fed's done a much better job of explaining things and and really just letting people know way in advance of what they're doing. So, you know, again, uh, they're going to taper starting in December, you know. And the way to look at this, is not like, oh my gosh, they're going to raise rates right away. The tapering is not going to make any difference whatsoever for a while. It's more like the economic, you know, car is going downhill and the Fed is merely taking its foot off the gas. Well, and I was, I was actually encouraged by it because um, it, 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 it signals to me at least that the economy is at least strong enough to continue on here without this additional stimulus. Yeah, I mean, the economy was stronger two quarters ago. I mean, we, we slowed down because of Delta in the third quarter. We're going to have really strong growth in the fourth quarter and strong growth into the first quarter. So the Fed needs to get going on this, and, and then they need to demonstrate to the markets that they know what they're doing. And they're losing a little bit of the market here, not crazy yet because it hasn't shown up in bond yields, but – that inf- those inflation numbers are very robust, shall we say? They're they're big, and 
You know, it's interesting, Andy. I mean, you and I can talk about inflation and we can say it's transitory, whatever. You know, when I go out into the community and when I go visit people all over the country, I talk to people with normal jobs like truck drivers and people who work in restaurants. They're like, the economy, the economy is doing terrible. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're inflation. Everything costs so much money. So that's what I would say. I mean, like the Fed's got to make sure that it doesn't get more out of control than it already is. And tapering's one way of doing it. Well, and and somebody who's driving to work every day, uh, they're buying food for their family. They don't care. Well, you know, that's a volatile part of the index. And and uh, I mean, they, they only fill what they fill. So it totally makes sense. I, it seemed we had David Jones on the WBBM Noon Business Hour recently, a Fed expert. And, you know, he was telling me, uh, you know, before I put him on that uh, the, the Fed has been lacking a bit of, a bit of credibility here and that well, uh, this move kind of at least brought a, a degree of credibility and that they're at least on this inflation thing. Yeah, and they've lost credibility because of the scandal of two of their uh, Federal Reserve uh, presidents in the in the U.S., uh, down at Dallas Federal Reserve, and I forget what the other guy was. I think it was, it was Atlanta or Boston. Boston, that they were stock trading. Oh, uh, yeah, which is, 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 is totally the right thing to do if you're – Yes. At the Federal Reserve, not. Um, no, that's horrible. Yeah, I mean, and, so, and then yeah. and then the the whole the whole thing on inflation, kind of downplaying it when everybody yeah. and their brothers like, uh, yeah, this this isn't just a temporary thing. This this is going to go it, in a lot longer. So you you know, and then again, that can long term impact our gains. That's what we're looking for: big gains. Totally, Gersh. I, I I'm a hundred percent with you. I got in some Twitter fights. I, I know that sounds ridiculous for somebody uh, like me, but I, I got in debates on Twitter talking about inflation with some big name economists. They're all like, nah, it's transitory. It's not a big deal. I'm like, you, do you know what the normal person has to deal with? Like it, with inflation, it, it sucks is what it does. And it burns Well, I mean, it's transitory for multi. Talk that way. Yeah. And sorry about that, but it's transitory for, you know, people that it doesn't impact in a very big way. You're, you're multimillionaire. Do you really care if your grocery bill's 30, 40 bucks extra a week or 20, $30, you got to put more in the, the gas tank. But if you're like the rest of us, that's a, it's a big deal. And, uh, yeah, and, and it has to be addressed. And, and I think a lot of people, that's why you had alluded to earlier. I mean, a lot of people are like the, 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 uh, the economy sucks right now. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the the big things that play into it. And I, I think a lot of people, when we hear the, uh, you know, I, the, the so-called experts talk about this stuff, it's, you know, you feel what you feel. And if you're feeling it, it's going to change your, your mood on things. So, um, so do you think the Fed did the right move here? Do they need to do more? Uh, you know, what's, what's their deal going forward? Yeah, I think they're behind the curve on this. I, I think they needed to start tapering sooner. Um, you know, the Fed's kind of changed the way that they do things without getting too far inside the Fed. Instead of, you know, hitting a 2% target, they, they can average a 2% inflation target, which me, God only knows what that means because they've missed the target of 2% for 20 years. Does that mean they run it above 2% for 20 years? I, I don't know. I mean, that's not good um, overall. And I also think that um, they they have include now they've changed their employment mandate from just you know full employment to inclusive employment, which again who knows what that means? It's it's a very mushy 
type of qualitative uh, descriptor on what the Fed is supposed to do. So they've got like really broad latitude of what they can do as far as running the economy really hot and hard for a while. And, and you know, I mean, I get it, but I also think there's 10.4 million jobs available right now and they're not getting sucked up. So why is the Fed still stimulating? That's the question. I, I was thinking so about that, too. Available. Why are they doing this? There's inflation. Why are they doing this? Yeah, it's you know, and and that's that's the thing. It's you 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 know, inflation is the other big factor, and then the jobs market. You hear about you know, it's it's interesting on the job side. You hear about all these people uh, who are applying for jobs. They don't get responses from companies. You have companies saying, "We we we can barely stay open." I where's the miss here? I, I don't I don't get this. Uh, how you know, both sides are kind of crying crying here about it and uh why aren't they coming together why aren't the workers and the job creators uh getting together and 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 making things happen yeah so two really interesting things one is we had a million people retire now that those are jobs that you know uh, those are people that are not coming back into the workforce from what we can tell right so there's that so there's a big chunk that's about 20 percent of the five million that left and then the other thing is, is what I always tell companies, they say, we can't get workers, you know, no one will come to work for us. I'm like, at the price you're paying. Now. Right. Why don't you pay them a little something and maybe yeah. that will entice them. That's that's a good point. Yeah. So it's it's all about, you know, the cost. And then the other thing, too, that I'm like, I, I really don't understand is that a big portion of those people that left the labor force are women. A, a majority are. Uh, They decided to stay home to either care for sick ones or to deal with their kids more than the men did. That that's the data that we see. That that weight goes on them often too. You know, they're they're really the center of the so-called sandwich generation where they're taking care of like an elderly parent and then on top of their kids. And you know, during the pandemic, everybody's home. So so they've really been uh, pushed. And I, I guess that could probably lead to that. Well, and the other thing too is it what that you know, I always look for opportunities. I always look for growth opportunities and and consult with my clients, uh, my consulting clients and try to show them where I see there's opportunities. And one of the biggest opportunities I see out there is for a flexible workforce, especially targeted women. Women like all the surveys say they want to work from home either 3 or 5 days a week. So give them the flexibility to do that, and you can get amazing workers. So that's I also see these companies shifting towards that flexible work schedule module uh, model, and I think that's where you can pick up a lot of great employees, people that can really add value to your uh, company. But it, it's just like they're slow to do that. So you know, again, there's an opportunity there, Andy, but like I, I don't understand why they're not taking it and not uh, going after it. Now, uh, we'll also talk uh, infrastructure here um, and then supply sure. chain issues. But before we even get into that, I just want to, you know, throw out a, a shameless plug. Hey, be sure to subscribe and follow and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's like gold for us. So if you want to help us out, you want to, you know, 
join us regularly, you know, just be sure to subscribe and then leave us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All right, so and, there's the shameless and Andy, plug. Andy, most importantly, what's the name of the podcast? Well, again, it's Gains with Andy Gersher. So you're going to definitely want to get in on okay. that. So, uh, and, and, and while we're at it and doing shameless plugs, uh, what, what, what should we plug for you these days, Andy? <laughs> Just plug. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at A-B-U-S-C-H. Um, you can go to my website. All my research is up there for free at andrewbushlikethebeer.com. So it's andrewbush.com. All right. That's B-U-S-C-H for Bush. So anyway, all right. Well, you know, getting that done, let's go back to, you know, there's been all this talk about infrastructure and, uh, it, it, I, I often thought was this baked in the market or not. Now we're looking at a potentially slim down infrastructure. You have Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. Um, you have the Senator from uh, Arizona, you know, moderates that are pushing back uh, Kristen Sinema. Uh, wh- where are we at it, with infrastructure? If this doesn't come in big, has the market baked this in? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to read, you know, where we're at with infrastructure and, and the, the impact it'll have if anything gets through. Yeah, so let me just address a couple of things here really quickly. Yeah, go for it. The bond market is not really telling us what it normally tells us because the Fed has been buying so many securities, right? So there's that going on. In other words, the yield curve doesn't really tell us what it used to tell us about what it's anticipating for uh, either inflation or future growth. So just put it there. The other thing I would just point out, too, is that the Treasury is going to issue a lot less securities going forward because – we don't have that massive deficit spending that we just came through over the last 18 months. So keep that in mind as well. So when we talk about infrastructure and what the market's anticipating, I mean, I'm not sure you see it in the bond market at all, but, but you're right. There's two bills that are out there. One is for $1.2 trillion of physical infrastructure. The other one is the social infrastructure. That started off at $3.5 trillion then got down to two and a half. Now it's down to 1.75%. And I do think there's an agreement to be had there. Um, it, you know, it looks like there was some movement forward on a couple of the social issues that were um, driving Senator Manchin and Cinema away from a deal. Now it looks like we, we kind of get, are getting closer and closer to it. So we'll see. I still put the odds on, um, you know, the first infrastructure bill. I think that's going to get done for sure. The second one, I put it at 50-50 right now. Does the market react? Or is is that already we've been talking, you know, the and, and, you know, we're learning about the stock market here. You know, that's part of the big, you know, part of all of this. And, uh, you know, one of the things that often the stock market prices in advance, three, six, nine months out. So when I talked about baked in, a lot of times the stock market will already factor things to come. So that's kind of what we're talking about baked in uh, for those who are kind of new to this. So has the market baked this in? Does it, you know, there's a term sell the news and often a market will run up in anticipation of something. And then as soon as that event that it anticipates that usually is a good thing comes to fruition, then it sells off. It's called sell the news. So in, in this kind of situation, it, it has the market bake this in. 
And is this a situation where if something finally does get through, it's a sell the news? Yeah, I, I would say on the, on the first bill, it's definitely sell the news. That's been baked in. Um, on the second one, you know, it, it's hard to say that, that the market will react much, except maybe on an inflationary, you know, move in bonds, maybe. Um, and, and that's really because I think the second bill is social spending um, and, and likely not paid for. So I don't think it has the same impact on the economy that the first physical infrastructure bill will have. So the second one, you may start to see more inflation expectations starting to get built in to uh, people, you know, and their on their what they anticipate, you know, 12 months out. Do they want to get paid more? What do they where do they see inflation showing up? And you can find that at the New York Federal Reserve. They have all sorts of great surveys there of what consumers think going forward. But. Andy, I, I don't. The second one, I, 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 because it's been scaled back and it just looks so dicey. I, I'm not sure we're going to get much of a reaction until we actually see what the what it looks like and get it scored by the Congressional Budget Office. So, long-winded way of saying, the biggest impact that thing will have is most likely on inflation and probably not good, right? So you'll see interest rates start to pop up because of it. So you, you mean once it's passed, then we can actually see what's in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, famously so, said by Nancy Pelosi on the uh, the Obamacare, but I mean, in this one, they, it, they don't even want to have the it scored. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's really interesting there. Okay, so all these and and the reason why you know not to get too wonky about the economy. But these are really important things. One other macro issues before we start talking cryptocurrencies and meme stocks and about, you know, making money and, and, and where the plays are. Uh, one more issue. We talk about it all the time is the supply chain. That's obviously yeah. uh, an issue. It does impact companies because, you know, like in the one of the big issues we everybody has been talking about the uh, the chip shortage and how it impacts the auto industry. Uh, yeah, and I mean, car prices are really high right now, but if you're an auto dealer and you can't get vehicles because it, it doesn't matter. Uh, so it, it does have impacts on various businesses. You know, I can't get a PlayStation 5 to save my life right now because, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm a big-time gamer. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm still stuck with my PS4 because the chip shortage has impacted PlayStation 5s and and you know that's that's my jam and you know that's that's how it you know impacts me as a gamer. So uh what, what supply chain where are we at? I mean also there's satellite photos uh out in California of those tankers outside the port it's just staggering. Uh how big of a factor is this and uh you know what does it impact? Besides, you know, my ability to get a PlayStation 5. Well, you know what? This is really interesting. It gets back to the inflation component because the demand for goods has significantly gone up, right? So we used to be a 70% service economy, 30% goods, right? It's kind of balanced out. I, I, don't, I can't tell you exactly what it is, if it's 50-50 or not, but nobody in the world had the ability to deliver that many goods, right? And so that's part of the problem. So then you get into the supply chain issue where um, you also have, like, I mean, who had a tanker getting stuck in the Suez Canal? You know, who had that on their economics, you know, scorecard? Right. Nobody, right? Or how about, like, Snowmageddon in Texas? 
right? And through Louisiana. And that shut down the refineries, which shut down a major refinery for furniture foam, believe it or not. If, you, if you've ordered furniture and you're not receiving it, that's one of the problems. I, I've, heard, I've talked to a lot of people that, that yeah. cannot get furniture that they've ordered months and months and months ago. We, I raised my hand. We ordered st- a sectional in May. It keeps getting delayed. And that gets to some extent back to the whole supply chain issue because what it tells me is that a lot of these companies have no idea what's going on in their supply chain. Um, and I, I don't want to name names, but it's, it's pretty astonishing what's happening in that space. Um, I'll just say Crate and Barrel is a good example of that. I don't think they have any idea what they've got going uh, because they certainly can't give solid answers to questions about um, delivery. So just as an example. So with that, when is it going to ease? You know, we're going to get through Christmas and there will be some shortages. But for things like semiconductors, I mean, it's easing a bit now. You're starting to hear the car company saying, hey, it's easing a little bit. I, my guess is overall for, you know, PlayStation and everything else that uses a, a chip, my guess is going to be well into the second quarter before that really eases up significantly. I mean, it's not like you can flip a switch and build a semiconductor, you know, uh, uh, plant here in the States. But, I mean, that that's the problem with so much of this. And, and how, how, how do you think that impacts markets? I mean, do you have to look industry-specific? when you're assessing the kind of the damage of the supply chain? Yeah. I mean, you're looking at lost sales, basically. Um, We've certainly seen that in the auto sector. Um, You know, you're seeing it in obviously um, in, in uh, technology to some extent, even Apple is uh, apparently cannibalizing uh, some of their less purchased um, computer products and sticking them into iPhones. And they actually did a fairly good job with the chip issues. uh, Apple, you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 an example to how to do it. Um, You know, uh, Toyota actually did a great job because they never stopped ordering semiconductor chips, even during the outbreak. And that's why they maintain the level of chips that they have. So those there's a company that's done really well with it. But overall, um, yeah, I mean, it's just sector by sector, depending on what they're trying to do. And, and really, you know, one of the cool things that we've learned from 2008 back then, Lehman Brothers, right, was we learned that the financial system was way too spread out, like too spider-like in, in, its, you know, in its own supply chain of creating financial products, you know, all the slices and dices of mortgages. And when you get like that, you become extraordinarily fragile, and that's what we've seen with supply chain. It's just like Lehman Brothers in 2008. But today, you know, you have like hot tub manufacturers here in the United States having 60 different parts come in from across the world to make yeah, maybe one from hot tub. multiple multiple regions yeah. as well. Yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess one of the the takeaways here would think that you really should produce some stuff here. Uh, I mean, that's that's crucial. Uh, we learned that through the pandemic. I mean. Even when you were looking for masks and and you know all kinds of stuff that we needed for the pandemic, uh, and then it speaks to the semiconductors and the chips and and all that. So it's it's been quite a nightmare. All right, so you know these are key economic things to kind of uh, keep an eye on, and we kind of set a base here. So we're gonna you know take these big macro issues, and you know we've we've kind of delved into them. But let's talk about, you know, exploiting the current situation 
to to make money. And and there's and we could talk about a lot of opportunities going forward. Um, but before we even get into that, you you have done a degree of work with cryptocurrencies, especially right. when you were at the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, give you know I'm a like 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 I tell people I'm a I love cryptocurrencies. Uh, I, I'm a degenerate risk taker. And uh, it just ticks all the boxes for me. And it's really exciting. And we can go on, you know, we can discuss the long-term future and, and how this stuff is is the real deal. But uh, what's your take on cryptocurrency, especially from almost a regulatory? I mean, how's, how's, the, uh, the, how's the government see this? How does regulators see this? Um, and, you know, how did you participate in this cryptocurrency that is right. So, Andy, you're not just a g- degenerate, you know, risk taker. You're you're a degenerate overall. Let's just oh, put that, it that oh way. yeah, you know me very well, and you can say that because you've known me for 20 years. We talk <laughs> risk, gambling, uh, you, you name it, you name it, and, and I wear that with actually a badge of honor. <laughs> there you go. Now, yeah. what I love about you, uh, Gersh, is that you look into all this stuff and you keep a pulse on it, which is really cool. So, um, and I was. Face planted into cryptocurrencies back in 2017, a little late to the game, but my agency was the agency that went through the process of approving the first Bitcoin futures trading product. So, yeah, from a regulatory standpoint, you know, I, I have a lot of understanding of, of what this world looks like. And I'll tell you right now, uh, the SEC is looking into this really closely and trying to figure out. Um, what they're going to do. The biggest boom that just came out for all the crypto world was the fact that they didn't, the SEC didn't stop a a cryptocurrency um, mutual fund or ETF, right? And that's that took us from, you know, kind of meandering 45,000 to 50,000 all the way up to 62,000 where we are today. Um, you know, cryptos are really interesting. The entire ecosystem is really interesting. There's a, There's a ton of these that are out there. The first thing I will tell people about cryptos, and and the thing you have to keep in mind, the best news I can always give you about cryptos is Bitcoin as a theoretical structure and a structure overall has never been hacked. Now, just let that sit in for a minute. And it it kind of validates the whole, you know, adventure into cryptos and how they work. That is really super important. Well, and the important thing is... You know, you said it's never been hacked, and people who truly understand crypto is every transaction uh, that's on the blockchain is verified by everyone, and it, it is almost—it's not really hackable. I mean, that's well, fair to I say, mean, right? Wallets, wallets are hackable. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, but the actual that's, Bitcoin themselves, the Bitcoin itself, and especially. Uh, with the size, because if you have smaller, if there has been other cryptos, Ethereum Classic, I think, may have had a hacking at yeah. one point early on. But I explain, you know, the blockchain and why Bitcoin has not been hacked. And it's been here. Well, it's been it, around for a while now, like well over a decade. Yeah, I mean, it's a really long conversation about Merkle trees and, you know. Uh, right, I mean, put it for, you know, in layman terms. And, and, you know, and but it gets into the whole mining concept of it and people being paid to verify uh, transactions. That's why now, mining is so, so crucial. It, it is. And, it, and But it's also, to some extent, the downside of Bitcoin because 
you you can't it, it takes a while for the transactions to be verified in other words and expensive and expensive and, and expensive right and so it doesn't really meet necessarily the criteria that you would have for a medium of exchange because it's just so slow and don't you think um, that's kind of why it's considered digital gold i was talking to bill Ulivery yesterday we're gonna have him back on on friday he's one of my crypto guys and, okay. uh, you know, there's other countries that have actually adopted Bitcoin. I believe El Salvador comes to El mind. El Salvador. Yeah. Well. They, you know, what he was telling me, which I thought was really interesting, is they use another side uh, network, and it's more of a net-net. Every individual small transaction isn't actually being done with Bitcoin. It's the, you know, all the transactions in a certain time frame that might be then there's might be one net big chain or a big trade. So I think that they've they have come up with some solutions on how to make it work. And then using Bitcoin, you know, we always say it's digital gold as the backbone. But, yeah, I mean, it's super expensive. And can you imagine doing microtransactions with with Bitcoin? It's it's just not feasible as a, a currency. And I think a lot of people see that and that's why it's called digital gold or, or why it's considered digital gold yeah i mean huh? there, there's bitcoin's kind of unique now there's ethereum there's a lot of other currencies that um have different function much different functionalities right and so you, you kind of have to break down each one of those um depending on what you think the use uh, usages and and what the opportunities are there. And, and one, one thing just of, to pick, I'm sorry to interrupt you here, but one thing I just wanted yeah. to get in there real quick, because we talked about this yesterday, th those people who were uh, with us yesterday, Bitcoin is digital gold. Ethereum, you know, is with the NFTs and, and, and that kind of stuff. You have Cardano, which is kind of the, the third party there. And then you have all these altcoins that string from there. And I, I guess you, you just have to understand that stuff. You know, each each thing has a, a different role. So, and and it's it's interesting. You want to talk about like Bitcoin, digital gold, Ethereum, which I'm super bullish on. I, I just Ethereum. It, it, there's just a ton of coins that break off from there, and there's a ton of activity. And NFTs are getting really hot. Um, and 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 one of the big things, just to remind people, yesterday. A lot of the crypto experts, I say, even though, you know, I enjoy the juice and the excitement of the, a lot of these altcoins. I said yesterday, you know, even the ones you won't take home to mom, uh, the dirty little secrets I don't even tell my friends I uh, uh, delve into. Shiba, one of them. You know, <laughs> Safe Moon. I could really go down. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, big, big Doge guy. But, um, you know, reeling it back, the, the you know, so you have... Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then Cardano to slightly, and then you have all these others. Uh, the the play, and I just always want to put this out there. The experts say that the play is dollar cost average into Bitcoin and Ethereum long term, and that's where you're going to make you know all the money, and it's at least in the the safest way. Uh, and and Ethereum just uh, I've heard predictions now this thing's doubling in two three months. That might be a possibility. So, so with all that being said, and, and, and catching everybody up to with what we talked about yesterday, uh, what what are you most interested when it comes to crypto? And you were talking about Ethereum. Yeah, you know, um, the the thing that I would say is like I would 
watch to see if we get a central bank uh, come up with a digital currency because that will open the gateway to every other coin that's out there. It will validate the entire structure of what's being worked on right now. So, so you think that, a digital coin from like the U.S. would actually goose the market? Yeah, I do. Uh, be, because, do. because people it, feel it, more comfortable? Oh, validation. It, it's validation of the concept, right? It's it's proof of concept to some extent. I mean, we've already had proof of concept, but this is like, you know, once you know, once the dam breaks, and to some extent, we've seen that for retail investors, right? And and the really big money for all of this stuff is institutional, right? And that's where we're trying to figure out and have been for some time on whether or not pension funds can get involved with this or, you know, big institutional money. They still can't. This market is too nascent. It's too untested. The rules around it are not have not been formulated. The regulatory rules have not been formulated. Um, like the Department of Labor has not moved forward on anything, and nor will they, because it'll take a while. The, the market will pull the regulators kicking and screaming into this space. That's the way it works. It never Regulators never lead on anything. It's not what they do. Their default position is to do nothing. And so having worked for one, I can tell you that honestly, they, they, they don't want to stick their necks out. The market has to push them where they want to go or pull them to where they want to go. And that's what we're seeing right now. So getting back to the Fed, if the Fed ever came up with, you know, a, a U.S. dollar coin um, that was digital, I mean, to some, you can make an argument that's kind of all that way already. But seriously, a, you know, a digital coin, then it, like I said, the, the sky's the limit. Then you can get into 401ks. You can get into pension funds. You can get into foundation money. I mean, where there's trillions of dollars potentially involved instead of just some billions right now. So that's like if you're looking at this down the road, that's that's really what I'd look for. And and, and you buy now in anticipation of that happening. I don't know if that's two, three, five. I, I really don't know how long that's going to be, but that's where everybody's headed. Yeah. And, and you know, another area of speculation that, and it just kind of speaks to where we're at it is a, a, another area of speculation would be the meme stocks. And that says to yeah. me a lot about markets and risk. And I, yeah. I, I'd love to get your take on these meme stocks. I, full disclosure. I mean, sometimes they look at like even GameStop has held its own. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're a trader and you like risk, sometimes playing in it's super dangerous and like I said, this is not for the conservative investor at all, but, no. you know, there's been money to be had. Uh, we, we just, we saw, um, even today, Bed Bath & Beyond, which has been one of those squeeze plays, up big uh, on the potential squ short squeeze. So these meme stocks have been exciting. What does it tell you about the, the current state of risk in the market? Well, it tells me a couple of things. First of all, that retail investors are not your normal retail investor. They're so much sharper now. Oh, and, and they're, you know what? They're, they're the people who are, these are younger investors who are going to be listening to stuff like this. Yeah. yeah and I think what's so cool about GameStop is that it wasn't just that they picked a stock that, that they knew, which they did, of course, but what they, what really got exciting was they picked it because they started looking into who was short GameStop and how much of a short was out there and then they've said to themselves, hey, let's use 
the techniques that traders use, which is let's use options and let's push this thing. And so it was a combination of, you know, Reddit. Well, birth, that's options. the birth of the Reddit apes. I, I love yeah. it. I, you know, you got to yeah. love the apes on Reddit. Because they yeah, they they made this happen, and you know what? I, depending on how you look look at it, I, I, the little guy knocked some big guys in place here, and that, that that's kind of refreshing. Yeah, it's, look, it's, I love it when hedge fund guys get face planted. It's oh, one of my favorite things to watch. Delicious, right? Uh, you know, especially awesome. being There's a retail investor. <laughs> but the thing also. Two, in, in fairness to GameStop, they had just changed CEOs, and they, they were at a really uh, an important point in the company. So they were actually making steps to change, and then there was this massive short. Then you know the retail investor led the charge. So there's some really cool things going on. But taking a bigger step back, what does that tell me? Well, there was a lot of money to 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 take these flyer risks that's out there for sure. It's, and, and that's part of what's going on with the Federal Reserve. It's also part of all those stimulus checks that were put out there to a wide range of people who probably didn't need them that said, hey, I got $1,400. I'm working. Let's just take a flyer. Let's go. You know, a, a ton of people I know. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I just want to throw this in there. A ton of people I know got into crypto, got into stocks the first time just because what you said. They had the job. Or they didn't need the money and they got the stimulus and that's where they threw it. Yeah. I mean, and why not? And then Robin Hood shows up, right? And they make it really easy to trade and not per se have any cost to it. So all, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, why didn't an iPhone show up in 2007 or whenever it came out? Um, it wasn't because Apple was just fantastic and knew all these things and put it all together. No, there was there was a build of technology of all those different parts, graphics, all these different things that had to lay the foundation to create the iPhone. It's the same thing in this situation. You had a lot of things line up. You had a lot of easy money. You had free and cheap trading. You had a lot of FOMO going on with Bitcoin and, and some of these meme stocks. You had Reddit. You had the use of options. You had a massive short out there. And you had retail investors that were a lot smarter about what they were doing. So all of those kind of combined in this wonderful way that, that led to this speculation. So I, I, you know, I look at things a, a little bit differently than most people. And I just love seeing this kind of movement and, and fun that goes on in the financial markets because it's just so crazy, but it's so wonderful. I love it. And, and you know what? I think a lot of with these, you have to look this at like when you're investing in, in well, crypto, maybe depending on what coins you invest in, but these meme stocks, these altcoins, you know, some of this high risk stuff. I mean, it's no different than going to the craps table and it's fun. And uh, you know, as long as, you're going just like you would go to a casino and say, you know, I can lose this amount. I, I love the risk. This has, there's a big upside potential. And, and I, I think that's just a big factor. in you know, when you get into this, you got to kind of look at it like, like you're gambling. Well, the thing is, is like, I, you know, and I've had these conversations with a lot of different people. They say, well, how do you look at Bitcoin? And I said, well, I look at it to some extent like art, like the value of it, like I, I, 
I can see a Picasso and say it's worth, you know, five million. Somebody else sees a Picasso. And says I'll give you five dollars for some of that art. No, you know, it's yeah, right. some some of that goofy art that goes for like hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you twenty bucks for it. No, I mean, I mean no, NFTs you know. are a great example of that, right? Oh, exactly. So, so the way I look at it is like, look, if you're going to play in the sandbox, just know you're going to get sand in your shoes at some point. The moves up and down are extreme. You got to get ready for them and just know that that's what you're playing with. Are you going to stick your entire portfolio in there? You better not because the drawdowns, you know, there've been several 80% drawdowns just over the last two years. So, you know, you got to get ready for some serious volatility when you play here, but that's that's way I hope everybody kind of takes a look at this stuff and and you know dedicate some money towards it. You, you know if if it's play money for you, you know have a blast with it, put it in there, but just you know understand that that's the game. The risk is higher, the potential reward is higher for sure, but it's it's the most volatile thing you could be doing right now. All right, so uh, we're gonna come back and talk about how we're entering into the twenties. And the opportunities going forward are are going to be are going to be huge. Um, before we go to a, a quick commercial here, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. It would really help us out. Do me the solid, okay? Uh, you know, so hey, we can and just. The get... name of the podcast is Gains, G A I N S. Yes, right? Gains with Andy Gersher, exactly, and that's what we're yeah. we're we're talking about each day is how you know we can throw it out there and 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 maybe take part of some of these big gains. So we'll be right back, and we're going to talk about a ton of opportunities that we're going to see in the next two, five, ten, twenty years. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right. So, uh, Andy, uh, let's talk about how we're entering into the 20s. A hundred years, you know, the 1920s was based, it was a hundred years ago. I I kind of feel like we're entering the 20s again, though we, we, we were a little later this time because the pandemic hit us uh, more into the 20s where 100 years ago it was a couple years earlier. But a lot of the, a lot of, like, it's a totally different time. Obviously, it's 100 years, but a lot of the underlying things here, you can kind of see the same. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think it's an apt descriptor. I mean, look at the setup to this. Like in the 20s, we had just uh, had a, you know, pandemic. So we had the Spanish flu kill millions. Um, So today, obviously, that's ongoing and it's killed millions. We just as a country just finished a major military engagement. And back then it was World War One. Right. World War One then Afghanistan today. Yeah. And. There has been a tremendous amount of pent-up demand, uh, partly because, you know, in the war back then, in World War One, there was a lot of rationing of products and things like that. Today, obviously, is pent-up demand because people were forced to stay inside because of COVID. And there's just a, it, there's just a real zeal of growth that's going on right now. That's very similar to tw- the 1920s, just as it is to today. So... I, I think it's 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 really aligned. There's some differences for sure, but um, the one thing I, I would say is, you know, we hope it doesn't end like 1929. <laughs> no, sure. no, no, yeah, and and even the years that follow. Um, yeah, I mean, total 30s. world chaos. Yeah, that would not yeah. be good. But uh, you know, in the in the. Y- y- you like talking about opportunities. I do. Tw- I do as well. And we always. That's why I, I. I love cryptocurrencies. And I'm. You know. I'm always talking about the metaverse and how NFTs and skins and digital things are really going to have big time value in the future. And there's just so many exciting technologies from, you know, drone to electric vehicles to self driving car. I mean, there's just a ton of stuff that is going to be delivered to us in the next 20 years, not even 20 years, uh, next 5, 10, 20 years, um, which means opportunities, opportunities to make money. So tell me the opportunities, Andy, that you see as we're, you know, heading deeper into the modern day 20s. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different areas to get into. Um, I'll just focus on one because it's in the news. It's all over the place, and that has to do with climate change. Um, There are amazing amounts of money that are going to be thrown at this problem. Uh, There's going to be a lot of companies shifting resources towards it. There's going to be a lot of things dealing with carbon that I think um, everybody should be looking into and taking, you know, a glimpse at. Now, I will warn you that I've, I've looked into a lot of um, 
uh, ETFs and mutual funds already that have that kind of uh, mandate to be invested in it. And some of them have lost 50 percent just, you know, uh, since the beginning of the year. They were really hot <laughs> at the beginning of the year and then kind of cooled off definitely later on. But, you know, the the U.S. is is definitely dedicating a lot of money towards it. The world wants to get into this. We have yet to see all of the positive things that are going to come out from it. And it, and it ranges from like EV charging stations to uh, companies that create batteries. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, it, there's such a wide range of things that go into a, a climate change kind of mandate and dealing with things. But I would just focus on um, uh, the um, I, I would focus on carbon as the starting place. And, and seeing uh, where that can go. Now, here's my big play. My, my biggest play, I think, and, and this is going to really blow people away I, I, in the sense of my timing on this thing. Um, I know we've had a lot of talk about autonomous cars, and, and there's been a lot of discussion about it. But the combination of an autonomous car with an electronic vehicle, to, to use a trite phrase, it is a game changer. Here's why. Some country in the next five years is going to go, you know what? We're cool with autonomous trucks and driving. Let's go for it. I don't know if that's Australia. I don't know if it's like Germany or I, I know they're they've been working on running these autonomous almost caravans of of trucks. Uh, I've right. been testing that. And, and lot, Is that going to be on the road the soon? Coast. Do you think? No, they're on the they're on the roads now right. on the right. west coast, like okay. between New Mexico, Arizona, and parts of California. They're doing this. You know, Are there no drivers things. in those? I think they have As a backup, I haven't seen maybe? every study that's done, mm -hmm. but um but I know that they, they, they have drivers but but I think they're just manned right now just for regulatory purposes right, right, as an right. example. But at some point they're gonna let them do it. Um and and that's where things radically change as a country and as an economy. Why? Well, first of all, if we're talking about climate change, all of a sudden there is going to be a significant drop in the demand for buying a car. The reason why is it's going to be TAS, travel as service. You're going to pay a $100 monthly fee for being able to call up a car whenever you want on your phone, take you to the grocery store, take you out downtown, what, take you to commute, I don't know, whatever, but there's no need to own a car. Are you napping? Point. Are you napping in this? this so there's no driver in this vehicle and you're feeling comfortable, and you're you, you you might even take a little nap on the, your way to the store or read a book. How far away is that from your view? By 2025. Uh, really, that it's, soon? It's, it's that soon. Okay. And, and again, this is a great example of what I was talking about with Apple and the iPhone. All there's so many things that had to align to get us here, and one of the biggest things is cloud computing, right? Because you need massive, massive amounts of data for a car to operate in that fashion, right? It's just, it's got to suck in a ton of data and it has to send it to AI to run through and tell it where to go and how to do it. It's, it's going to happen. There's billions of dollars being dedicated towards this. So I'm a firm believer of it happening and happening faster than most people understand. And the adoption rate will be very quickly. Again, here's going back to our original description of, our, is this the 1920s all over again? I would say yes. Here's another great example back then. 
if you look to the adoption of the elect or of the um, combustion engine and automobiles overall, I mean, you look back to 1910, horses were the biggest, um, uh, you know, driver of of transportation, right? Ten years later, ten yeah. years mid by mid twenties, it was it almost was fully out. adopted, unless yeah, you were like in the sticks. But yeah, yeah, less less than that, less than that. So that's my point. And the adoption rate is even faster now because there's so many dollars being thrown at this or investment funds. So to me, that solves a lot of problems. Look at Chicago as an example. 30% of the commercial real estate in Chicago is what? It's parking garages. Oh, yeah. That's that's another factor. I don't think a lot of people would, uh, you know, and talk about a commercial real estate problem. You already have offices. You know, I'm downtown here. And I look out this studio window and there's these massive buildings and I can guarantee you a a lot of them are very empty, you know, just to to add to it. Now you have these parking garages. I can see another one right down the street there. Uh, (laughs) You know, what's going to fill that space when you, I I, I guess you still have to park autonomous cars or maybe not so much. I mean, I, I, there's going to be some need, but there's not going to be the massive need that we've had. Right. Um, that's for sure. So, so that's w- just just one aspect of it. You know, no, that's a great point, street, though. That really is a great point that, you know, it's well, things that you wouldn't even necessarily think to, about. Yeah. If you don't need to park on the streets, all of a sudden you got bike lanes. All of a sudden you got more parks. All how about, how about if you don't if you don't park on the streets, that's tax revenue. Par- if you don't park on the streets, that's lost tax revenue for the city. Just think of how that's much true. money. Or, you know, or for or for yeah, cities, they'll, they'll tax the services for sure. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. You know, again, so if we're looking out into the future, this is going to happen, and it's going to happen a lot sooner than most people realize because the adoption rate is going to be faster than most people realize. And then there's all sorts of positives that come with it. Yes, you have a shift away from, um, you know, the use of, of automobile sales, so the car companies won't be necessarily as robust as they've been. But I also think it opens up the cities to much more usable living space, um, it will open up the opportunity to create a lot of different parks, things that are really positive, but you also get the added benefit of greatly reducing the amount of CO2 in the air from automobiles, um, especially if you go with electronic vehicles. So there's all sorts of really lots of positive things that come from it. But if, if I look into my crystal ball, that's just one area that I see that's really interesting. All right. So we got our beak wet a little bit with uh, with that, that big call. And I like that. That's super interesting. We covered a lot of ground here. And, I, you know, I'd really like to, you know, go with this theme of, you know, looking two, five, ten years out. So, uh, hey, great to have you on. And uh, we'll do this again real soon. Thanks, Gersh. It was right. a blast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Thanks again to... Andrew Bush, uh, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com in Chicago. All right. Really good stuff. So before I leave uh, or before we wrap this up here, hey, do us a solid here. Be sure to subscribe, follow and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We want to get the word out. And uh, hey, looking forward we're back on Friday. We, we'll have uh, Chuck Carlson join us. He'll talk Dow theory and technical analysis. We'll pick up that conversation. It was really interesting in our uh, our, our first episode, and we're going to bring Chuck back on. And then we're going back into the weeds 
deep on cryptocurrencies, mining crypto. We'll talk metaverse. We'll talk NFTs, minting NFTs. We're going to have that discussion with our crypto expert, Bill Uliveri. So uh, I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. And thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. I'll see you on Friday. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.